spoke of women's ways. They tried you and you lose you before you Please note, Three Old Goalies podcast may not be suitable for goalkeepers under the age of 17. You see, the Three Old Goalies might be nibbling at the edges of Alzheimer's and are not always filtered. So parents, have your earmuffs at the ready because listener discretion is highly advised. Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Three Old Goalies. We know... It's supposed to be goalkeepers, but three old goalies just has a better ring to it. So, so bear with us. I'm your host, EB, and I'm joined tonight, as always, by my esteemed panel, Greg Deutsch and John Boa. Welcome, fellas. What's up? And tonight's guest, obviously, is a legend in the sport who we have all had the pleasure at one point or other of coaching, as a matter of fact. Uh, but John Bush is here to share with us his thoughts on the professional game in the United States as it looks like things are starting to reopen and uh, announcements were made today that uh, not only MLS but some of the other leagues are looking at it. So, Bushy, welcome to the Three Old Goalies. You, you don't fit into the old goalie uh, part of this, but welcome. Uh, I'm I'm old enough, you know that. So, but I am excited to be here and uh, talk a little soccer and goalkeeping and uh, just hang out with some good people. It'll be you're fun. Still, you're still too, and Boa. You're still, yeah. <laughs> you're still too fit. And Av, I don't think I ever trained Bushy. You never did. Maybe it, like in one of those six a.m. UNC Charlotte things. Oh, that's training, dude. Yeah, that's well, training. You, you didn't classify that as training, Boa. Well, you know. You come in at four, you train at six. Yeah. Oh, you were still up. Yeah, so exactly. you would just go. Yeah, yeah. Why go to you. sleep? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me get through the legalese here and let's get going. Three O Goalies is a net performance adventure. Like us on Facebook at Net Performance Goalkeeper Education Company. Three O Goalies is produced by John Boa Media. For more information, go to www.johnboamedia.com. Music for our shows is provided by Floodgate Operators, a bluegrass band out of Crested Butte, Colorado. For more information, go to www.floodgateoperators.com and also check them out on YouTube. All right, the legal stuff is out of the way. As I said, we have John Bush joining us tonight, and we sort of we sort of asked John to join us kind of on late notice uh, because of everything that's going on in MLS, and obviously Bushy as some of you know, uh, played professionally uh, across all levels of soccer for 21 years, which in itself is a, a, a miraculous achievement. But uh, In any league, as they in said. In any league, pro. in any sport. You play 21 years professionally in any sport, dude, you're a stud. You're a pro. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And, and so um, – uh, but we – and the majority of that obviously was in the MLS, so we, we wanted to uh, – uh, get his impressions on what's going on. Obviously, he's still very involved in the game. He's doing a lot of uh, goalkeeper coaching in the Indianapolis area, as well as with U.S. soccer. I believe, Bushy, you've coached almost every youth team so far in the last calendar year, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Uh, what is it? 
Okay. That's, that's almost every youth team. That's there almost everyone. Haven't yeah. got the 17 yet. Haven't got the <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but at this point, uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to Greg Deutsch and uh, let her rip. And I'm sure, as always, we'll pipe in with, uh, you know, clever innuendos. So. Yes. Well, John, again, thank you. Uh, it's uh, incredible to have you on. I'm a big fan. Obviously, you're my height, you know, so. <laughs> That's a big thing, 5'9". I don't know who lifts you at 5'10", but nevertheless. I do. I lift myself at 5'10". <laughs> <laughs> when we talk, I love it. Anyway, what, like E.V. said, 21 years of a pro, played for the Columbus Crew, Chicago Fire, San Jose Earthquakes. A lot of people don't know this one, guys. He's got one USA Cup or a cap. How about yep. that? Yep. So, uh, you know, Bushy, let's start right there. Yeah. Um, what was that like? You know, and it was a shutout. Shit, my gosh. Yeah, yeah. That was, uh, yeah, no, that was, it was unbelievable. It actually, it kind of started, I'm trying to think, I think it was at the end of my second year in Columbus. That would have been, I think, around 2002, 2003, something in that ballpark. Uh, and I got my first camp, like, right at the end of MLS season. Uh, and it was just a week long. It was in Columbus. Uh, so it worked out well. And then I went in that uh, that following January was the big January camp where, you know, uh, Bruce brings in all the uh, MLS guys. So that was my, my first major camp. And that's when Kevin Hartman, Joe Cannon, Matt Reese, Nick Raimondo, uh And Joe was the number one at the time, like the, the domestic number one, we always called it. You know, yeah, so they, brought in, they brought in six of you guys for that winter, that winter camp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's such a long camp. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's over just over a month long. Um, but you had, you know, you had Casey playing in Europe, you had Brad playing in Europe. So we were the domestic guys. Um, and apparently I did, I did pretty well in, in January camp um, because I, I jumped up, uh, I think two, three or four spots and um, wasn't expecting to play. I assumed, I knew I was having a good camp, but I fully expected Kevin or sorry, Joe to play and Kevin to be the, the backup. Cause those were kind of the, the two big guys at the time. Um, and I remember the, you know, the morning we go out for training and we go down with Phil, the goalie coach and we're uh, doing our things. And then Bruce calls us back up to the top field and we were out in LA at the, the home Depot center. And uh, I'm just kind of standing there, kind of, you know, looking at my shoes or whatever, thinking, yeah, okay, you know, like paying attention, but not really. Let's be honest. It was, I was like, it's not going to be me. Um, it's my second camp. I'm happy to be here. Uh, and next thing you know, like he starts rattling off the team. He's like, yeah, and Goldemore and I is John Bush. And I look up and I, I look at Joe just to see, I don't know why, but I first looked at Joe and I see the look on his face. Then I look at Phil Wedden, the goalie coach, and he just kind of nodded. I'm like, oh, okay. This is so, going to so, be interesting. So Bruce didn't tell you? He just told the whole team? He, he literally just told the whole team and he just went through the starting 11, um, you know, and so I went back to the hotel and talked to Phil and, and he said, you look, he said, you've earned it. Bruce, Bruce said that to me and, and he wanted to be the one to tell you. Um, you know, so the next night we played uh, Columbia. Uh, I can't remember a small college over there. I think we had about 10, 11,000 fans and uh, it was great performance. I think we won either two zero or three zero or something like that. Um, so it was a great, it was a great first game. And then, uh, you know, what was really cool about that was we had, after that game, we had maybe two, three days off. And then they took some of that group over to Colorado for some altitude training at the Air Force Academy. And then the European guys came in and met up with us. And so we were there for, I think, two weeks. 
and then we flew down to Mexico City because we had a big World Cup qualifier. Um, so, and, and in between, we had one other um, kind of friendly game um, that, that I didn't play on. Um, but Kevin and Joe split it because Bruce wanted to figure out who the third was he was going to bring down to Mexico. And he, and he actually told me that. He, he called me in um, the day before we were leaving uh, to go for the friendly game and, and basically say, he's like, look, I got good news and bad news. I said, okay. And I wasn't sure what was coming because, again, this was my early days with Bruce. And he's like, what do you want? And Phil was in there and, and the assistant coaches. I said, um, give me the bad news, I guess, first. So he said, bad news is you're not going to play tomorrow. In the, in the last exhibition. He's like, I got to split Kevin and Joe for you. I said, okay. I said, what's the good news then? He goes, good news is in, in whatever it was, five, six days, you're going to sit behind Casey Keller in Mexico City for the World Cup qualifier. And I just thought to myself, well, if that's, you know, there is no bad news. There is no bad news when that, when, you know, in that sense. So that was really, I mean, it was really cool. I'm, I think I floated back to my room in the hotel. <laughs> that awesome. You know, it was so cool. Who was the first person you told, Bushy? Uh, probably first person I called was, you know, Nikki, of course, and told her, you know. Yep. Um, and then probably the second one was EB, actually. That's what because, I think, yeah. You know, it's probably him. Um, Going to Aztec Stadium, too, dude. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I like the, I mean, I mean, first, you know, just the atmosphere, the lure. I mean, we all – we've seen it on TV. The place just crazy. You know, crazy. First, crazy. What was it like – you know, in the hotel. Well, so when we, when we first, like, so then, like I said, Casey and everybody came in. So now all of a sudden, as we're preparing in, in, um, at the Air Force Academy in Colorado, it's starting to, you're starting to understand, well, okay. You know, Casey comes in, Brian McBride was playing, I think at Fulham at the time, wherever he was, like all the big guys, Claudio Rainey comes in, you're like, all right, this is, this is serious business now. You know, I just went through a month of January camp with all MLS guys, but this is, this is serious stuff. So we get, you know, we fly private down to Mexico. One of the few times I've actually flown private. It was kind of cool. Uh, they had just warm, <laughs> warm chocolate chip cookies. So I was really happy about that. Um, so we fly, we fly down. I don't even know what little airport we flew into. Um, it wasn't like Mexico. It wasn't the big one in Mexico. City. It was a small private one. And it's completely locked down. Like we literally, as soon as we walked off the plane, there were armed security guards all the way from the plane to the building, through the building, and out the other side, right to, and they pulled the bus up as close as they could get to it. We didn't even stop. We just walked right under the bus. You know, equipment guys took care of all the bags, did everything, right? We went right to the hotel. Same thing. We get to the hotel. There's already people there, like, standing outside. They pulled the bus up. I mean, it's not even a parking place. They pull it up right by the front door. Same thing. Straight in. They already had the keys. Go up. We had uh, – our floor was locked. You know, we had security guards everywhere. U.S. Soccer sent, I don't know, a couple with us as well. Um, so, you know, you're pretty isolated. And I think we were there maybe two days early. And we went, we trained, that sort of thing. But you're just around each other. Um, so it doesn't really hit you because you can't really do much. You're in the hotel. You just kind of get on with it. And then the, the day of the game, we go. Um, Phil, uh, Phil Wedden and I, we decide, hey, we're going to, you know, I'm going to go out early and just get a little work in. Um, so I was feeling good. Again, it, it hadn't hit me at that point. Uh, in Azteca Stadium, the locker rooms are underneath. Yeah. And they're right. cement walls, right? So when you, when you walk up, you actually walk up a spiral staircase up to the field. So you're in there, and it's, you know, whatever, an hour and a half or so before the game, and the walls are already shaking. What the f is going on, right? It's an hour. Like, nobody's supposed to be here. 
So then Phil and I change, we go out and I'm, as I'm walking up and I, right when my head kind of gets up above the, the uh, ground level, I mean, people see my head and they just start going crazy. And I'm like, holy crap. The stadium's already three quarters of the way full. Yeah. You're just like, holy moly, right? And then when I come out all the way up and I start walking to the far end, you know, they have, everything gets thrown, everything, you know, they start chanting, it, it goes crazy, right? So I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool, no problem. We go down, we, we do our little thing and I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, then Casey comes out. So then I start running around, though. You'll love this. I start running around. I get the balls. I'm get Casey water. Hey, whatever you need, I'm just happy to be here. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, I realize, like, I literally froze. Just stopped. And I'm looking. And, and to my left, I'm facing Casey. He's warming up. Phil's warming up now. I look over my left, and I see this one, you know, Mexican fan with a big foam finger. And it's the it's a middle finger. And, and like, that's when it – that's when it – yeah, like that's when it hit me. Fuck you, Bushy. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, oh my god. So I called the equipment guy over at the time. His name was RJ. He was a short little guy. I said, RJ, RJ. He comes running over. You know, what's up, Bushy? Can I get you anything? What do you need? I said, just a question. I said, I know you have extra jerseys on the bench, you know, for blood and all that stuff. I said, but do you ever have extra goalie shorts on the bench? He kind of looked at me with a puzzled look, and he's like, no, why? I said, because I just realized I'm actually the backup goalie for this game. And this is a World Cup qualifier. And this is only my third ever game. And I said, and I, and I only played one. I sat the bench into him. I said, if God forbid if anything happens to Casey, by the time I get to the 18, I'm going to have shit in my pants because it's a World Cup qualifier. And he's laughing and he's ah, that's funny. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like, I'm going to shit in my pants because there's a lot on this game. You know, and I'm, I've only had one game, you know. He just laughed and ran away. So that was my kind of funny story. The rest of the game, I sat on the bench literally praying that nothing happened to Casey. Don't get hurt. <laughs> exactly. I love being here. I love being here, but I'm okay on the bench right now. <laughs> I'd always – I've been in that locker room. It's pretty intimidating. The players we used to talk about, you walk up the spiral staircase and you're fucking studs. Mm -hmm. and it's like, you mm -hmm. know. One thing, uh, people always talk about the altitude, but isn't the pollution play a factor there? It's like, it's yeah. hard to breathe. It's very hard to breathe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very hard. And that's, that's exactly why they brought us to um, the Air Force Academy for two weeks right. extreme, yeah. you yeah. know, to try, to try to get accustomed to that. So. And that's right. what England did, EV, in 86. Yeah, Chris yeah. Woods and Shilton were training in, in Colorado Springs. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. All right, well, well, Bushy, obviously you've, you've had a very successful MLS uh, career as well. The 2008 MLS Goalkeeper of the Year, uh, MLS Best 11. Um, let, let's sort of back it up, though. Um, I don't think a lot of people know, you know, you grew up in Gilderland, New York, near Albany, named yep. High School All-American. How did you end up at UNCC? And at that time, you know, they, it was coached by Frank Colenstein, a good friend yeah. of EVs and, and JB as well, um, you know, and I've met him a few times. And so who else was recruiting you? And, you know, back then there really wasn't, you know, all these uh, videos being sent out. Uh, yeah. A lot, you know, did you attend a lot of camps? What was your background to get noticed? Yeah. I mean, back then it was so different. Right. And I was just, I was just, I didn't know any better. I was just really fortunate. You know, I played for the regional team. I played for the youth national teams, obviously that, that really helped me out quite a bit. Um, and so I was supposed to go to UVA with Bruce and Bruce never lets me. It's funny. Cause Bruce, every time he sees me, it's the first thing he brings up to me. 
um, I had kind of verbally agreed to go there. Um, and they, right after or right before I, you know, had the final conversation with Bruce, they changed their goalkeeper coaches. Now, this is before Google. So, you know, I, I asked Bruce, I said, hey, can you give me a week so I can look into this guy? You know, like I couldn't just Google him, couldn't just look him up on you know, the Internet. And so Bruce kind of threatened me and said, you know, for every day you take, I'm going to take a little off your scholarship. Well, you know, that doesn't sit well in it with a New Yorker, you know, a, a dumb kid, by the way. So I said, OK, yeah, that's fine. It's, it's the middle of whatever, January in upstate New York. So, OK, it just so happens. Frank, called, I was I was supposed to actually go to George Mason the following weekend. That got canceled. The week after, Frank had called me and said, hey, you know, would you like, you know, introduce himself, that, that, that. I said, would you like to come to check out UNC Charlotte? The only thing I knew about it was it was in North Carolina. So I said, it's got to be warmer than it is here. So I said, okay, coach, what's the temperature there? He said, oh, it's about 72 today. I said, perfect. Book me a ticket. I'll be down to visit. No problem. Honestly, that's the truth. I had no, like, I knew it was in North Carolina. I didn't know anything about him. But I'm just thinking, I looked out my window and said, there's four feet of snow right now in Albany. Yeah, I'm going south. So went down, absolutely had a blast. Absolutely loved it. Um, got on. What I think I really liked was they were an up-and-coming program, you know, and they, they didn't try to impress me with what they've done or what they, they, they gave me the opportunity to help them build something. And I think that that was really cool. And the other part of that was there were, I think, seven at the time, seven or eight New Yorkers on the team. So I felt like I was at home, you know. And, and again, it sounds weird, but Evie will understand this. The last thing we did on Sunday morning before I flew back was we went and played roller hockey for about two hours. You know, and I grew up playing hockey. So for me, that kind of solidified it. I'm like, yeah. So I got home. Parents picked me up, said, how was it? I said, I want to go to UNC Charlotte. Frank called me the next day, basically said, what can we do to get it done? And I told him what I needed, and it was done. And I said, okay, I'll see you in the fall. Hey, what year was that, Bushy, your freshman year? 1925. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, I mean, 94, 94. somewhere in that ballpark, 94. 94, that city was just becoming to explode. There's a lot of excitement, young, like a little Atlanta, people were calling it a very vibrant time in that whole yeah. city, really. Yeah. And they had no football then. Yep. No, exactly. And and to be quite honest, I mean, you know, I've, I've talked about it thousands of times. Like, I, I'm just very fortunate and very blessed that Evie was there. I mean, I, as my wife always says, you stepped in it. I said, yeah, I stepped in it in a good way. You know, I was very lucky because he, he took me to where I, I was in my career. Yeah, let me, let me put you on the spot here, and I don't mean to embarrass EV. What, up, you know, you mentioned your background with U.S. national team um, coaches. What distinguished EV and separated him from the other coaches that you had? Well, you know, I think part of it is – from day one, if I if I look at – he was probably only my maybe third or fourth ever goalie coach at that point because they weren't – you know, they weren't that prevalent back then. Right, you know, right. I was very fortunate. I had Peter Meller with the youth national teams, who was an old English guy, who was fantastic. Right. Uh, then I had one up in Albany, uh, Bernie Watt. He lived about two towns over. And I used to go tra train with him once or twice, you know, every couple of weeks, just drive over. And, uh, you know, but – 
going there with EV, he was one of the kind of the first full-time guys I've ever had. Um, you know, but I, I think what, once we got over our little road, you know, our little, you know, road, road bumps, uh, the first couple or speed bumps, the first couple, uh, weeks, um, I, I think our relationship really settled in because he knew what I wanted you know, and, and that I was willing to do whatever it took. And I also knew that this was a man that not only cared for me on the field, but also cared for me off the field and knew, knew how to get me where I wanted to go. You know, define, you know, define for us, <clears throat> quote, unquote, your speed bumps. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> there's a few of them. So there was, uh, there was a, it was a few weeks into season. Um, and we were playing was it was it Radfordy? No, it was uh, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. <laughs> Virginia Tech. And it was and they raining. Were pretty, they were they were up and coming too. I mean they were yeah. they were a decent yeah. program as well at the time. Yeah. And so it was raining. We were playing at home. I think we were up three zero at the time or something like that. Two two zero. I think it was three. Um it was two. It was two? Okay. Yeah. See, Eve remembers it point blank. If it was three, I, I, if it was three, I wouldn't have been as angry. Okay. So I gave up a bad rebound. Uh, they ended up putting it in, so it made, made it 2-1. Um, we ended up winning the game. After the game, you know, again, being a young, naive punk who thinks he knows everything, you know, EV you know, basically said, look, you should have caught that. Any national team goalkeeper should have caught that. Well, apparently I didn't realize I rolled my eyes when I said something. I, I just remember saying something, but apparently I rolled my eyes too, and that sent E over the top. And so I said, no, I couldn't have caught it. It was an uncatchable ball. While I rolled my eyes. Well, next thing I know, Deutsch, the big bear comes out. And, I mean, he ripped me up one side, down the other, went back for seconds, left the stadium. I heard him slam his door in the little blue Volvo. Next thing you know, he pulls the blue Volvo up beside the gate of the stadium on the gravel road. Gets out, comes back for thirds now. Doesn't even come back in the stadium. Just yelling from the other side of the fence. And he's making up words that I've never even heard. That's how pissed he was. He was I've making up words. And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell that means, but it doesn't sound good. Right? So then he leaves me with, and as long as I make curse, I will say this, I am the wrong motherfucker to fuck with. I will make your life a living hell, and I will see you at 530 tomorrow morning, and we will work on that uncatchable ball. <laughs> and so he got back in the Volvo, left, and the whole time he's yelling at me. I'm looking at Frank like this, like it's a tennis match. It's like, what the hell do I do? What do I do? So we went back up. We went back up to the locker rooms. We still had the old locker rooms up the hill. So we go up. I shower. Now, I'm a freshman, right? I don't and, – and we were off to a decent start. So, you know, I felt good about myself. I started from day one. I go into Frank's office before I leave for the night to walk home. I was like, uh, Frank, what the hell should I do? I said, I, I'm thinking about calling. Do you think that's okay, coach? He's like, yeah, you should probably call him. So I said, <laughs> okay. So I go back to, you know, I go back to the apartment. Yeah, obviously, we didn't have cell phones then, so I pick up the phone, call him. Well, of course, Marsha answers the phone. <laughs> now, and you know Marsha already knows the whole damn story, right? So in her little sweet, innocent voice, and they called me JB back then. I said, hey, Marcia, it's, it's JB. Hi, JB. I said, uh, and I'm nervous as hell. I'm just dying. I'm sweating. I'm like, uh, is EB around? 
yeah, hold on one second, JB, you know. And EB gets on the phone and it's like, what? I'm like, uh, e, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. Okay, fine. I'll see you at 5.30 tomorrow morning. And just hangs up the phone. I'm like, shit, all right. This is how it's going to go. That's awesome. So, we, you know, once we got through that, that was the major one. There was only one other minor one where I think it may have been a sophomore year. I can't remember. So that, that kind of got us over the major one. I think the sophomore, I think it was my sophomore year. It may still have been my freshman year. The only other time we, he caught me doing anything was uh, we were playing Davidson at uh at our new stadium at the time so it had yeah it had to be the it had to be my sophomore year which and, is the local derby for those of you that yes it's it's <laughs> kind of the local derby yeah. in charlotte so yeah. i mean boa it's like liverpool playing everton right <laughs> yeah yeah exactly just oh, like much, it. much worse than that just, yeah. just like it. <laughs> well charlie charlie schlegel at the time the coach of davidson gets thrown out right and we're winning so as he's kind of walking by and he's about even with me, I think I'm at the top of the 18. I was, hey, Charlie, New Yorker came out and me again. Hey, Charlie. And he kind of looked over. I said, see you later. Oh. Well, well Evie, Evie heard it. And all I hear from the bench is JB. And I'm like, shit, he sees everything. That was the last time. I, that was it. I never did anything after that again. That was, but the problem was that was on national TV. That was back. <laughs> That was yeah. back on the the weekly yeah. NSCAA games, and oh. so that was that was a Thursday night. And dude, that was with Deegs played for Davidson. That's I mean, gonna, Davidson yeah, had yeah, a yeah. good team. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was a, it was a good derby. And yeah. you know, so it's on national TV, and you know, here's a chance for the rest of the country to see two good teams playing and two good goalkeepers, and you know, fucking bushies like giving the coach <laughs> shit. I'm like, I hadn't we, grown up yet. I hadn't grown up yet. <laughs> we don't do that. So. Damn New Yorker came out of me, you know? Yeah. Hey, Evie, I want to know, do you want to uh, add to his first story at all? <laughs> yeah, it was a little different than JB, than JB said. <laughs> well, no, maybe not different. I'll give you my side of the story. <laughs> so, so, okay, it's, we're playing Virginia Tech. It's rainy, right? We're, we're, we're two nothing up, but, but they actually are going through a period in the game where they're getting the run of play. And, you know, and I've said this many times when we've discussed this as a coach, there's times, you know, you can give up a goal. There's times in a game when you shouldn't give up a goal. And if you do give up a goal, it's kind of worth two points because you know, all the momentum changes and you, now you're on the back foot, right? And when, when they gave up the goal, there were 17 minutes left. So there was plenty of time to, yeah. you know, to tie the game. And, you know, as you know, in college, right, once the confidence goes, dude, you can give up two, three goals in a heartbeat and lose the game, right? So, so I'm looking at it, and so I'm looking, okay, this is a learning experience. Um, plus, he had come he – had, he had been on the U-17s over in Japan prior to coming to UNC Charlotte. So he's, you know, he's cocksure of himself. He's, you know, he's a goalkeeper. I mean, you know, who, you know, who's Gordon Banks? I'm John Bush, you know, and, <laughs> you know, and, and he's, and he's got that all through preseason. And as you guys know, as a goalkeeper coach, you really can't teach until they do something wrong or they lose. Right. right? 
you really can't i mean you know you can you can bang on them and you but it's not going to make any difference so here was the opportunity to to teach him something right and 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 I, that's what I said. I said, you know, I said, good game, but John Bushy, I'll be honest with you, a national team goalkeeper catches that, doesn't give a rebound, you know, catches, it catches that ball. And he, and he rolled his eyes at me, and that's what set me off. And he rolled his eyes at me and said, Evie, that's an uncatchable ball. And so, and the rest of it is pretty much true. I was making <laughs> words up, right? And I'm making up, I'm, I used every, you know, I used, every, let's put it this way. I used every old English word that you do when you've played with English guys and right next to Judy Rose, who is the female athletic director at UNCC, who I thought at the time was a trainer, an athletic <laughs> trainer. Because I didn't know who Judy Rose was. I was just a goalie coach, right? So, so anyway, so I let him have it and I go home and I tell Marsha, that little son of a bitch, I, I, I'm still, I'm still pissed off at him. And Marsha goes, he'll call you, you know, I say, he's not going to call me. He thinks he's too goddamn good, blah, blah, blah. So sure enough, when Marsha, when the phone rang, hi, JB. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, the, but, the, but then it was, you know, but then after that, I mean, that was, that was the, you know, we had, a, we had a come to terms with each other and, and he had said that he wanted to be a pro and, and I knew how to get him to the pros. And, you know, I, I don't think I even, I don't think I even met you when you came on your recruiting no. trip, you know, Frank, no. cause I was working oh. with, I was working with Adidas at the time and probably yeah. over in Germany. Yeah. And, yeah, you, um, yeah. You weren't there. And, you know, I get back and Frank's like, Hey man, we're going to goalkeeper for you. And, and I was like, okay, great. And he goes, and Frank goes, yeah, but he's only five ten. I was like, okay. I said, well, is he willing to work? Oh yeah, he's willing to work. It's like, yeah, okay, that's good. And that that was, you know, that was, you know, you guys know me well enough that if somebody wants, if somebody wants to work, you know, fine, we'll work, we'll get it done, you know, because that's the to me that's the the foundation of being a good goalkeeper. And so Bushy, Bushy wanted to do that, so yeah. the, you know, um, so that's what we did. Was the hey, kid, hey. was the kid from Boca there then, John, the goalkeeper? Yeah. Johnny Morton. Oh, Johnny. Johnny yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think it, at Akron, we came down and played you guys because I got thrown out of that game. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. And Morty played. That's and right. Morty played, and we scored because the ball was deflated, literally, in midair or something, and, like, did one of those knucklers over his head. Yeah. Was Morty. What? Yeah, Wait, yeah. what? Yeah, don't oh, you? Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. I don't remember like, that. Yeah. You guys yeah. beat us in overtime, but one of our English guys hit it, like from like 30 yards and Morty had it, but the thing like deflated when he hit it. And it was like, you know, you know, the natural when the cover came off the ball. I'd forgot I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So, so Deutsch, I think that and John Boa ejected in the same stadium. The the cool thing about being at Charlotte again, and I just it just happened accidentally, was that that winter after my freshman year you know, when we started training again, um, all these pros started coming around. Mike McGinty, Jeff Dubax, yeah. you know, all these guys. And at first I was like, well, what the hell are they doing? You know, and then I realized oh, they're all coming to get ready for preseason and training with EV. And for me, it, for me, it was awesome, right? I mean, I, I'm in this environment and I'm seeing this and I'm just like, wow. And that was, you know, that was really the first time I said, man, I, this is what I want to do. And I remember going to EV that spring just saying, 
I don't know if I'm ever going to be good enough, but I'll do whatever you tell me to do because I want to be like those guys. I want to be a pro. And that was, and we didn't talk much about it. You know, he said, okay, no problem. And, you know, so it was, it was a first, I mean, I had seen it when I went to Europe with the youth national teams and you see it in those environments, but to see it kind of in, in America at the time, you know, and especially at UNC Charlotte, these guys coming in and getting ready. I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Um, what what part of the game do you feel in college you were really good at? And then what do you think Evie took you to the next level and helped you, you know, achieve? Um, well, communication was obviously very easy for me because I never shut the hell up. You know, I'm always communicating. I'm always organized. I'm always talking. I enjoy that. Um, I think for me it was reading the game I was really good at. You know, being a shorter goalkeeper, you know, I had to try to uh, either cut things out, you know, before shots happened or crosses happened or, or, you know, things like that. Um, I I think, honestly, the biggest thing probably EV helped me with was my, you know, off the, not off the field, but part of it was, was being mature, you know, and, and not being a little New York asshole. You know, you know, I, I, I had an attitude I had, you know, um, and not necessarily changing it, but understanding how to harness it and how to use it, you know, and, and I still tell kids to, to this day is like, I have always had a chip on my shoulder, you know, that's part of what made me so successful. Absolutely. You know, if, if, if somebody said, oh, he's not big enough or he's not this or he's not that, I had a mental checklist in my head. And it started with John Kowalski with the under 20 national team, you know, how many every years ago. And it just went on from there. But I learned to use that instead of a negative, I turned it into a positive as motivation. And I think EV really helped me, you know, obviously he helped me as a goalkeeper, but he also helped me understand that when I did lose my temper or when I did act out, it wasn't what was best for me in the bigger picture. And that's not how pros act. And I think so for me, it was is seeing those other guys, but also being around EV. And, and sometimes he didn't have to say anything. It was just kind of the look. You know? <laughs> right. um, and you're like, okay. You know, because again, when you get to know EV, you know, when you first stay, you're like, holy shit, he's a massive bear. But when right. you get to know him, you know, he's a big teddy bear, you know, right. when you get on the inside. And, and he cares for you, he genuinely cares for you. You know, and and, and, and also, I yeah, and he can also sense when you were ready for that next yes, challenge, he yes. Would, and he would call it like you know, hey Bose, hey Taylor, mm-hmm. hey, you know John Bush. You, you got to have that quiet confidence. Yep. And he would see it that you're like kind of there, kind of not there, but I think that's really um, cogent point by you, Bushy. He was just, yeah. just like that, you know. Well, it was you know after the sophomore year. Um, you know, I don't think we had a very good sophomore year, if I remember. I can't remember anymore. But I remember – and, again, we didn't talk about it a lot. You know, we talked about it the, the winter of the fall, the, the freshman year. Um, we get through the sophomore year, and it ends. And I just remember having a quick chat with him. You know, what do you think? He's like, you need one more year. Said, okay, no problem. Like, that was literally it. It, ne- it never was brought up again. But, but a little known fact again here, so – Colenstein, Coach Colenstein resigns. Now you got to get a new coach your sophomore year with John. Oh Carter. yeah, oh so, yeah. So for Ev, I was wondering, what's your take? Did you know? Did Frank tell you he was going to leave? Did he tell you who the replacement was going to be? 
Uh, or, you know, Bushy, did you as players, you know, sometimes schools want some of the input from the players to interview the candidates. So a, a lot of questions here. So E.D., we'll start with you. You know, did you know Frank was going to do it? No, I didn't. But the, there, the, there was a, a player mutiny because, you know, Frank is not everybody's cup of tea as a, as a coach. And unfortunately, a lot of the team, you know, didn't like to work hard. They didn't like, you know, they didn't like to run. And, you know, which is like, dude, it's fucking soccer. You know, <laughs> if, you, you know if you don't want to run, fucking join the swim team. You know, but um, so they, you know, and, and they, you know, they went in and, and I don't think Miss Rose really liked Frank all that much. And so it was an opportunity for her to clear the house. And there was three players that were kind of, for lack of a better term, on Frank's side. And that was Bushy, Matt Crozier, and, and who was the other kid? He was a good kid. He never played much, but he was a good kid. Pastore's uh, kid? No, I don't, it was one of the other guys, but, um, but anyway, so this happens, and then, you know, she hires John Tart. Who they were buddies. He and Churchy and Colenstein. Oh, yeah, those guys are all friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. So John comes in, and, and you know, so Bushy's, Bushy's has to play through a situation uh, that you actually see more in the pros than you do in college, where maybe you don't exactly like everybody on your team, you know, and – but you got to get through it. You know, I mean, you know, you, it's, it's, you know, what's happened is happened. There's nothing you can do about it right now. And you still got a job to do. So, you know, yes, we're not all going to go out for beers afterwards. And, and, you know, we're not going to do the elephant walk over to the, to the bar, but you know, we got to get it done here, you know? And that was the, that was the, that was the approach that he took. And that was kind of the approach that, you know, when, when we would talk about it, it's like, you know, yeah, it's not fair, you know, but this is part of, I said, Bushy, I can remember telling him, I said, Bushy, you're going to run the, you're going to run into this in the pros, you know, yeah. where, yeah. you know, something happens and, you know, uh, not everybody's happy with it, but you got to get on with it, you know? Right. And, right it's, yeah. and so he did. And, um, you know, his junior year, I think was his best year um, because he right. sort of, he, he sort of got into the training part of it and, and, you know, uh, you know, I'll let, I'll let him take it over from there, but that, that's kind of what happened. Yeah, well, before, and before we hear Bushy, let me just let some people know. I mean, first, you know, your freshman year, you know, you're the uh, freshman Soccer America. You, you win that award. You're on that um, accolade. Your junior year, as Evie alluded to, you're first-team All-American, and you lead, you know, UNCC to their second NCAA appearance. Um, what – were you excited to get back into the dance at this point or, you know, what were your thoughts knowing that you may leave your senior year? Um, well, I, I left after my junior year, um, you know, but going back to what EB was talking about, that was, you know, when everything happened, because I, you know, I, I wasn't a part of it. I had no idea about it until it was too late and I found out about it and, I actually was in a, you know, it was a tough situation because it was the first time as a young man that I, you know, would kind of went against the crowd, not get, went against the crowd, but I wasn't in the crowd. And so there was a time in the spring season where I literally, Robbie Church had to take over. 
he was doing both for a few weeks. Because he was a women's coach at the yes, time. Yes, he was a women's coach at the time. Yeah. And I remember going – and I had a great relationship with Robbie, and, and Ronnie Kovaleski was the assistant coach for the women at the time. And I went right into Robbie, and I told him, I said, Churchy, I said, I will not be at practice for a little while. I said, I need to clear my head. Like, I was thinking about transferring. I, you know, I, I just – I was in a bad spot because I didn't know about what the other players were doing. And so I felt – I felt out of the loop in that department, you know, that, you know, I was excluded from this because they knew that, you know, I would have supported Frank and I wouldn't have been on that side. I mean, there were, there were weeks that went by on campus where usually we all hung out together in between class. Like I literally would just go to class and go home, you know, and I would walk by them and nobody said anything. So it was, it was a very weird situation for me being, you know, just after my freshman year. Um, but at some point, you know, the AD basically said, look, you know, it's time to get back after it. And, you know, I had a long conversation with EV because I was really torn. You know, I, I really lo- loved Frank and loved him as a coach. And my demeanor was like him, you know. Um, so I got back, you know, I got back after it um, in that spring. And then John came in and it was totally different. You know, he's like the complete opposite, great guy, but complete opposite of Frank. Um, so I think it took me a little bit, a little while to kind of transition. I mean, we had a good team at the time. Um, and then, yeah, the junior year, um, I think is, is when I was finally able to kind of just put everything behind me completely and just say, okay, you know what, let's, let's get off. Let's get on with it and get after it. You know, you, you can't do anything. Cause I think, you know, I think I did okay in my sophomore year, but I still think I, you know, I'm a very loyal person. And so, you know, I think that that tugged at me for a while, you know. Um, so, and then when we got into junior year, everything kind of settled down. You know, went to the Final Four. And um, I think the real, you know, it was great to get back because I tasted it my freshman year. Um, I think we lost in, in like the fourth overtime or something. Got upset by I think University of Charleston or somebody yeah. like that at home. So it was kind of interesting. Um, but to get back and to go all the way to the Final Four, um, you know, and 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 the cool thing about that was not 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 so much losing in the semifinals. Um, we lost to FIU I think three one, but back then they had the TV timeouts right. So you had twenty two and a half minutes into each half. It was a timeout. So second half, you know, 20 minutes left, 22 minutes left, whatever it was, we're down 3-1. And, and we're not coming back. I mean, FIU is better than us. They're beating us up pretty good. And I come over, and I'm sure I'm pissed and probably cursing or whatever, and I just kind of looked at EV, and I'm like, what else can I do? You know, like, and he just looked at me. He goes, you know, it's the first time I ever say, he goes, just enjoy your last 22 minutes of college soccer. And I kind of looked. <laughs> you know, and then I looked at the rest of the team thinking, God, did anybody hear him say that? Like, holy crap. You know, nobody heard. And I just kind of, you know, he goes, you're ready. And I said, okay. And I literally, I remember walking back to the gold thinking like, you know, and then kind of looking around going, wow, okay, this is, this is going to be the end of it. Our first you know, 22 minutes um, of the pros. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Right, pretty much. So, you know, we finished the game. We lost three, one. Um, four two, but who's counting? Oh, four two. Yeah. Okay, four two. ev has got better memory than I do. I don't even remember. Um, <laughs> all I remember is my my mom had driven down from Albany, and so after the game, Marsha, Evie, myself, and my mom went to dinner. And you know, we we told we told my mom the plan. She was like, "Okay, great, awesome." She drove back the next morning to Albany. 
we took the bus back. EB had driven up. We took the bus back to, to the locker room. I remember telling the boys, hey, please stay in the locker room. I went into Tart's office. Uh, Tart and uh, I think the uh, Ray was Ray. the assistant coach. Yeah. And I just said, you know, guys, I, you know, I need to talk to you and walked in and said, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. And both of them were great about it. They said, you know what? We know. It's time. You know, oh, wow. and like they, they were completely, they, they like, we would love to keep you, but we know it's time for you to go. And they were awesome about it. I walked in the locker room, told the boys, everybody was good about it. When, uh, you know, next, a couple of days later, packed up, flew home to uh, Albany to find out my parents got divorced. Or we're, we're separated. We're getting divorced. So then, of course, who, who do I call? Merry Christmas. Who do I call? Evie and Marcia. So what, what, what do I do? Very quickly, I get back on a plane and fly right back to Albany or back down to North Carolina and start training again because that's the only thing I knew what to do with. So, wow. so that's what how my it? college career ended in my junior season and, and how my pro career started. Yeah, so well, in the spring of what would have been your junior year, you, were, you went to the pros. The, you know, was, yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Or senior spring. Yeah, spring, spring of your junior year. Spring, spring of, of your junior, junior year. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, actually, actually, I'll tell you a story on the, on the FIU game. <laughs> we are <laughs> – Tyrone Marshall scores a bicycle on Bushy. Great – I mean, it's a great shot, right? I didn't, I didn't want to bring that up here. Yeah. He, score, <laughs> he scores the bike. They're all over us, and he scores the bike. And I remember – Stand there, and, and I turned to Brad Agus, who was who was helping out, yeah. and he was assistant. And I said, "Well, I said, sit down, have a coffee. We're about forty-seven minutes away from beers." I said, "This is the end of this game. This game's over." <laughs> oh no, no, we we can come back. It's like easy, Junior. This one's done. Game, yeah, <laughs> you know, we, we named the dog Indiana. So you know, <laughs> you know yeah. and, and so you know, and that was, and, and at that point, I was like, okay, this team's not going to get back next year. He's as he's as good as he's going to get here in college. So, why you know why why put it off? You know if he, if he wants to go, you know it's time to leave. Now, Evie sort of set the the landscape back then. I mean, I almost want to you know trivia time. You know, were you around with the Nashville Metros? Did you attend a game? You know, because that's where you know Bushy ends up. And and how did that sort of come about? Well, that was back in the old um, PDL days when, you know, there were amateur teams that the college kids could play in or play on during the summer so they could get some more games. So Bushy had played for them, I think, a couple of years. Um, but, you know, at the, at the Final Four, it was like, okay, we're not, you know, we're going we're gonna to go be a pro. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to play for, we're not going to play for the Metros. We're going to enter. You know, we're going to, you know, I mean, obviously Bushy wanted to enter the MLS draft and the fine, that would have been great. But I, I knew that he was ready to be a pro, but he wasn't, he wasn't ready to go straight into MLS where he would train for another three years, four years, five years, six years, and maybe never get a, a chance of playing, you know? So, um, you know, when, when we had the talk, I said, yeah, you need to go play in the minors, you know? Um, and you, you know, I said that's what you need. The game right now, you need, you need the game to teach you. You know, training is great, and you're a great trainer, but you're going to learn from playing. And I think, I think you wound up with the Dynamo at that point. Didn't I did. I might have first met you, John. Yeah, because you, yeah, you helped sort that out, because you even said, yeah. he goes, you're not. You, I don't want you to go to the MLS. I want you to, and 
uh, Greensboro will take you. So you pretty yeah. much sorted it all out. Yeah. So John, explain this little, you know, a league journey here. You go Carolina, <laughs> you go Worcester, uh, wildfire, Hampton yeah. Road. Um, but you know, in 2001, you're the goalkeeper of the year in the A league, winning the A league championship with Hershey. I mean, what a phenomenal year. Yes. Just, you know, through this path. So again, you know, all my faith was and trust was in EB because he'd done it with so many goalkeepers. And so, you know, yes, did I want to get to the MLS? Uh, but the man I'm trusting has tell is telling me you're not ready for that. And looking back now, I'm so thankful that he did do that because I wasn't ready. And if I would have jumped to the MLS, maybe I could have lasted a couple of years, but my career would have been short and I would have been done. Um, so I go to, I go to Carolina, you know, Carolina Dynamo, very good team at the time. Very good team. It was them and Rochester were the, were the top two teams. Um, so I go there, but Aiden Heaney's coming down from new England revolution and Scotty garlic is starting to make his time between Carolina and DC United. So I've got basically two MLS guys in front of me, you know, and, and guys that are in their mid to late twenties that are, you know, are, are seasoned pros. You know, very good goalkeepers very good very good yes. two fantastic goalkeepers yes. and great guys too they really helped me out um so the first half of the season I only played about I think I played two games and all of a sudden out of nowhere uh the Worcester wildfire in Worcester Mass uh the coach Nigel had called down and back then in the USISL you could loan players within the league so Carolina loaned me to Worcester for the second half of the season but kept my rights in the long term so I, you know I'm 19 years old I'm like yeah no problem I'll go play not knowing you know anything about Worcester I get up there I mean they're in dead last they're like got three points out of 15 games or something crazy you know who won um, the Chiefs yeah exactly that's exactly what it was that's exactly what it was need some shots boy like you had no tra- we had no training gear we we trained at a different park like every week like it was just everything you can imagine um I slept on a couch for a while because they didn't have enough apartments everything checks started bouncing I mean but I was playing like I literally do. I got a, I, we trained in the evening. So I got a job at the hotel, the one hotel in downtown taking people to and from the airport. And I didn't even know where the airport was. I just drove the van so I could get a paycheck and they had a weight room. So I literally would go in in the mornings. I would work out first thing in the morning. I would eat the free breakfast <laughs> and then I would, and then I would wait till I had to go run his errands. Right. The first yep. time, and again, we don't have cell phones. So the first time I was supposed to go to the airport, the lady's like, you know where the airport is? Oh, yeah, no problem. I was 25 minutes late to pick the guy up because I had no idea where the airport is. I had to ask people. But it gave, it gave me a check every, every week because checks started bouncing from the club. So at least I had some sort of money coming in. Um, but again, I played. I, pl- I think I played 17 or 19 games in the second half of the season. You saw some, saw some shots. I Oh, man, we saw a <laughs> lot of shots. We saw a lot of shots. We didn't win too many games, but it's what I needed, right? I literally needed to get thrown in, thrown in the deep end, and I did. Um, so the first year ends, I'm like, okay, pretty cool. You know, now what do we do? Um, I knew I didn't want to go back to Worcester because I didn't really care for the the, the town or anything Oof. uh they got a new coach he he desperately john kerr jr he wanted me back and i point blank told him i said look i'd like to play for you but i'm not coming back i don't want to <laughs> be there 
Um, so that's when I signed in, uh, and I knew Carolina didn't want me anymore because they had Scotty and they had Aiden. So I signed in, uh, in Hampton Roads in Virginia Beach. Um, at that time, my mom was living there, so it was kind of cool to be there. Um, so played three years there. Uh, absolutely loved it. They built a brand new stadium. Like they, they did things right. They had a great little stadium there. Um, and then did my knee for the first time at my last year there. And right after that, when I was still rehabbing, they folded the team. So then I had to move to Hershey. Uh, very fortunate. Bob Lilly, who's a fantastic, fantastic coach, took a chance on me because again, I was just, I, I was training again. I was doing everything, but I just come off a major knee surgery. Uh, we go to the finals, lose to Rochester two to one in Rochester, um, have the best defensive team there is. Uh, I was goalkeeper of the year in the USISL that year. Um, Greg Andrulis, who was the coach of the Columbus crew at the time, had come over and scouted me. I didn't know this at the time, but had come over and scouted me two or three times during the season. And so he was at one of the home playoff games. So I saw him after the game. He came up to me. He said, look, Mark. Um, Doherty. Yes, thank you. Mark Doherty is retiring at the end of the year, and we'd like to draft you. If you're interested, absolutely, no problem. So they drafted me, I think, in January in one of the 19 drafts that they have or whatever they had back in the day. Um, And, you know, I came in as Tom Prestis' backup. Right. Went from there. And did you enjoy playing for Greg, you know? And and did you know Yes prior to that other than who was a goalkeeper right he was a goalkeeper and I was very I was very fortunate because I worked a couple matching camps with him so I knew Greg since I was 15 exactly I knew again I knew he was just like me he was old school he was hardcore you know he'll he'll curse at you he'll kick balls at you and I loved it um you know and and he did say he's like you'll get a chance that's all he ever said and that's all I ever wanted so I also think that People didn't, again, it was, you know, it wasn't like Google is today. So I don't think a lot of people knew who I was, you know, going into the MLS, especially, you know, crew fans. But I know that Greg knew my history and knew that I had close to 150 games now underneath my belt as a pro. So he knew that I'd be okay with the jump up. You know, it would take some time, but I could handle it. You know, I had my experience now. Um and so, you know, it was great. Like I said, I, I know how Greg works. I know his thoughts. Again, he was old school. Um, he, was, he was a coach that could get the team motivated, maybe not as X's and O's as much. But, you know, the boys in there, we had an older group. When I got there, you know, Brian Mazenoffs, Brian McBride's, Mike Clark's, we had some experienced national team players. Right. And so for me, being the young kid, like looking around going, all right, I just followed these guys' lead. You know, right. and, and Mazenoff and Todd Yagley were the two that really took care of me. Um, they were they were buddies of mine. They put their arm around me for whatever reason, um, and they just kind of led the way. Um, halfway through the season, you know, I remember Tom rolling his ankle in a game about, you know, in about, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes into the second half. He couldn't go anymore. We were already losing, I think, 2-1 to New England. And I've never ran so fast in my life. When, when I got <laughs> – so, I, I sprinted to the goal. When Todd came off, I sprint. I was tired. By the time I got there, I was so tired. Um, but I somebody sent it to me on the video like three years ago. And, you know, it was on VHS back then, so I don't know how the hell they got it. But I've never ran that fast in my life ever since then. But I was so excited to get in the goal. Um, 
We ended up losing that game 2-1. It was already 2-1 when I got in. Uh, we had a midweek game, so Tom hadn't recovered by then. And, um, you know, so Greg said, yeah, you're in this weekend or this week, midweek, Wednesday night. It was pouring in Columbus. It was, wasn't a good night. Played D.C. Uh, we either tied or we won. It was either 0-0 or I think we won 1-0. And I think from what I remember, I played pretty well. And that was really it. Greg came up to me after the game and was like, all right, you got the next one. It's 8 o'clock. And that was yeah. it, you know, and, and that's kind of how it went. And, um, and Yeah, I was going to say, so from, you know, 203, you're the starter, but obviously this knee injury happens again in 05. Um, mm-hmm. So sort of walk us through that 05, 06 year, uh, because, you know, a lot of people don't know what happened in 07, which I, I really want to hear, you know, your thoughts on, on that, but I'm getting ahead of myself here. So, you know, how did you injure your knee and, you know, why did it take so long to recover? Yeah, so I did my knee, I think, uh, trying to remember what year that was. Uh, I think it was maybe my third season in the Columbus for the first yeah. time I did it. Um, we were playing in L.A. It was actually a national televised game. And, again, I was just coming off my first national team time. Like, things were, things were falling into place. Uh, and right before halftime uh, in the Home Depot Center, just a corner kick from my left. And as I kind of go a step, Two of my defenders on my back post ran into each other and it knocked one of them back into me and I didn't even see it coming and just literally fell on top of the outside of my right knee and tore in, turned it over. And back then they had, they had microphones right in the middle of the crossbar. I I think they took them out after this game, but (laughs) I went bananas. Like, I mean, it was the worst thing I've ever felt. Um, So long story short, going, I try to, I make it to halftime. Go in, you know, doctor comes in. It's like, yeah, you just tore your ACL. Like, you're done. Wow. You know, and I'm like, wow. I Like, I, I was devastated. Um, you know, and it was – He call, it was, calls me, he goes, fat Robin Frazier fell on me. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Robin Frazier, it's fucking Robin Frazier fell on me. Him and Edson Buttle ran into each other. <laughs> yeah, like, he, goes, fuck. he goes, fat Robin Frazier fell fuck, on me. Man. Fuck my Jesus, knee up. Fuck. <laughs> Oh God. And Robin Frazier is an awesome guy, but he was like at the end of his career. And I'm like, fuck, are you serious? The first, the first call I get is uh, from Phil Wedden, who was at that time, the men's national team goalie coach. And he's with Bruce wherever they were, you know? And, and so I get it later, but you know, I get this message and it's like, Hey, we're watching the game. We're so sorry. You know, when you can let us know. And I'm like, damn like I must have done you know I must have done something like they're thinking about me kind of thing um so you know go home get it you know get it fixed um go through go through the offseason rehab uh you know do pretty well with it get back to the regular season everything's going well that's when uh, Ziggy took over Columbus right and uh you know uh, I play so that the first time it happened I think it was 11 games into the season then I get back everything is great I went to an off-season camp you know everything no problem in preseason playing every game feeling good and then either 10 or nine games in the following year in Columbus same thing corner kick from my left I start to go to take off to get get it and I plant my right foot for the last time to jump into the ball and I put it on Ezra Hendrickson's foot and he's running that way so he pulls his foot out from underneath my foot and it just torques it. Now it doesn't, it doesn't hurt like they did the first time, but I, 
it just felt weird. And I knew I'm like, he just tore my graft, you know? And, you know, again, doctor comes out, does the old test. Yep. Is the same doctor who just repaired <laughs> it. So he, he knew, you know, he's like, you're done, you know? So, um, yeah. So literally, basically, I think it was a week shy of a year. I tear it again, you know? So now, you know, now you're starting to wonder, okay, two times in a year, what do you, you know? So again, we, you know, get it done. We rehab it. Um, you know, Ziggy, by that time, you know, Ziggy and I are starting to have a little bit of issues. Um, you know, long story short, I end up in Chicago and, uh, you know, that was, that was probably better for me because, you know, Ziggy did not, did not want me. Um, and, and so it was just, it, you know, I hated leaving, but it was time for me to leave, I think. And, right. uh, you know, so I go to Chicago, Matt, okay, exactly. Oh, sorry. Hey, let me interrupt you here because I yep. think there's a story that a lot of people don't know. Toronto picks you, mm. as you remember, okay? All right. I forgot, I forgot about that. You're right. Yes, yes. Toronto did, yes. Toronto yes. picked you. Um, all right, so now that I've got your mind engaged, yes. go Okay. going to Canada. And yes. I forgot about TSC, actually. That's pretty funny. So, yeah, so you go when, – when you get waived by a team, at this time, I don't know if it's still the same. I can't remember anymore. But you go through a 48-hour period where any team can pick you up off waivers. They have to pick you up on your present salary, but they pick you up. So TFC, Mo Johnson at the time was a coach, picks me up. Um, so they are training in – so we're back in Columbus. They're training in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. No, they were in Florida. Excuse me, they were in Florida first. So they call me, hey – we're going to fly you down. We just picked you up. Okay, cool. Great. Go down. You know, we spend, I think, four or five days in Florida. Then we go to Charleston for the Charleston preseason tournament. So I'm now it's about almost two weeks I've been there. And the goalie coach guy named Eddie Keo, fantastic guy. Him and I are hitting it off. I'm like, this is, this is a pretty decent setup. So I actually was telling Nikki, my wife, like, Hey, get online, start looking at apartments. You know, like we're going to keep the house in Columbus. I'll just get a small studio in, in Toronto. You can walk everywhere. The stadium's downtown, like everything's perfect. Right. I can take the trolleys, you know, so we start looking. Um, and then we go back, I go back to the hotel the day before the first game in Charleston and Mo Johnson coach is a Bush. I need to talk to you. This is right after lunch. I'm like, okay, what's up? So again, pulls me out on the hall. He says, uh, he says, if I had a game tomorrow, you've already beaten Greg Sutton out. You're my number one. I'm thinking, well, good. We have a game tomorrow. So, cool. <laughs> he goes, but he goes, I'm about to make a trade for Richard Mulrooney, and I need more help in the field than I do in the goal. And you can only have five Americans at the time. He said, so if I, if I pull this trade off by the end of the day, I'm going to have to release you. Now I'm thinking like, this is like, I'm waiting for the cameras to come out. I'm like, Hey, welcome to Canada day. Like you're the asshole here kind of thing. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's a good one, Mo. He's like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I hate to do this, but I'm serious. And now I realize he's not joking with me. So I'm like, shit. I look at him like, Mo, I'm not even mad at you. I'm like, but it's, you know, it's like two weeks before the season starts. What the hell am I going to do? Like right. this is the second team I've now got cut off of or, or whatever in two weeks now. Like, what the hell am I going to do? He's like, I don't know. He's like, but I'll help you. You know, he's like, you're very good. Okay. You deserve to be here. I'll help you in any way I can. 
And then he turned around and says, do you know any teams that need a co- uh, goalie? I'm like, no, like, what the hell? <laughs> I said, I was like, just start calling people if you're going to help me. I don't know. So, so that's like mid-afternoon on a Tuesday, right? So I've got to wait till the next day to fly back to Columbus. So I do, right? So I stay in that night and I'm, you know, and, and the guys were great on the team. They're like, I'm sorry, man. You know, Captain Jim Brennan was like, dude, you're, you're, you know, and he said it, he was like, you're better than Sutton, but you know, we understand what's going on. So look, I get it. No problem. Whatever. I'm just, I don't know what to do now. So I go to the airport that afternoon. I remember calling my wife and saying, Hey Nick, I'll be home at whatever, six o'clock tonight, you know, pick me up, whatever. So as I'm taking the shuttle to the airport, Daryl Shore, the goalie coach of Chicago, calls me. And I knew, I knew Daryl for a few years now. So he's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in Charleston, I'm heading to the airport. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, back to Columbus. I'm like, I don't know. He goes, don't get on the plane. I'm like, what? He says, don't get on the plane. He goes, we're heading to practice now. They were down in Florida somewhere. He's like, we're heading to practice. The administrator, Ron Stern, is working on a ticket for you right now to bring you from Charleston down to Florida for the week for basically whatever Wednesday night to, to Sunday. And I just said to him, I was like, Daryl, I said, to him, I said, don't fuck with me. I said, my head is so messed up right now. Like, I don't even know what to do. I said, so if, if you just want me to come down and participate in training for a couple of days, I was like, don't even bring me down. I'm like, I just, I need to go home. He said, no, no, no. Dave wants it. Dave Serkin was the coach at the time. He said, Dave wants to see you. He just wants to verify that your knee's okay. He says, all he needs to do is see you till the next couple of days, and then we'll offer you a contract. And he's like, we want an older, experienced guy. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, because I'm not in a mental state of mind right now. Like, he's like, no, no, you'll be fine. So I get, I'm not kidding. I, I'm in the Charleston airport, and I'm sitting there waiting, looking at my cell phone, waiting for the Chicago Fire administrator to call me with, with a new ticket or where, what gate to go to. And in my other hand, I've got my ticket from Toronto to go back to Columbus. And as, you know, now it's getting time where it's time to check in. I'm like, shit. Luckily, all of a sudden, Ron calls. He's like, whatever. Go to Delta, blah, 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 your ticket's there. So uh, sure enough, I go there. I'm all set. You know, I check in. Now I get through. I call my wife. I said, by the way, Nick, I won't be home tonight. She's like, what the hell is going on? So I said, look, I got to go to Florida for a couple more days. She's like, for, for what? I said, well, Chicago wants to look at me now. She's just like, all right, just tell me when I got to pick you up. That was like the end of it. So I, I literally got, I think, down there late Wednesday night, trained Thursday, Friday, Saturday, flew home Sunday morning, flew back to Columbus when they went to Chicago. Um, they had, I think, Monday off, so I flew back into Chicago Monday night, um, trained with them for the week, and the, the first game was that weekend. And I remember sitting, it was sitting in the office in, in Toyota Park with Dave Serkin 30 minutes before, uh, 30, I guess it was 30 minutes before five o'clock when they had to have my contract in. And we're negotiating my contract. And he's like, I need to get it in by five o'clock or you're not eligible for tomorrow. Meanwhile, they're asking me to take a $50,000 pay cut. <laughs> you did it all yourself, right? And I'm like, yeah. At this time, I, I you yeah. know, I had an agent who was a local guy in Columbus, but at that point, I was just like, I told him, I'm like, forget it, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Literally, we are sitting in the coach's office, and they're like, 
yeah, I'm sorry. Like, this is all we have. And so now I'm in this dilemma of like, well, do I not sign it because it's shit money or do I just sign it, prove myself again, and then ask for a new contract next year? You know, when I become the number one. And I told, I, that's what I told Dave. I said, look, because back then in the MLS, they gave you the old one plus three, right? Yeah, one year and three options. So I just said, I was like, Dave, I'll sign this, no problem. But if I become the number one, I said, I want a new contract next year when I become the number one to put me back where an MLS, you know, starting goalkeeper's number is. And yeah, he said, deal, fair enough. I said, okay, I'll sign it. And so we did that and, uh, you know, and we got it in on time and I was, I sat the bench the next night. <laughs> so. Like, but 2008, I mean, I mean, you inherit a starting job. You're the MVP on the fire. Uh, you play 90 minutes in every MLS uh, match, which is phenomenal. Um, talk to us about that year. I mean, just, you know, it's just unheard of that anyone plays that much. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was actually probably better that I didn't play that much the, the year before. I, I, I can't remember how many I played, maybe 14 or somewhere in that ballpark. But it was, it was actually probably better because I was able just to get back in my training routine and just to get healthy again, right, and just let everything kind of settle back down. And I remember, again, I remember having the conversation with EB, like, hey, this is okay. Like, this is what you need at this time. Um, and so that following year, yeah, when, when Matt Pickens left and I became the number one, uh, we had such a great team. That was probably the best locker room I've ever played for. Who were the foreign um, players on that team, Bushy? Oh, gosh, I don't even remember, Boa. Um, German, like German and Polish guys? No, most of those guys were gone by then. Okay. Um, you know, Chris Armas was the captain. CJ Brown was one of my defenders. Uh, Woman Conde came in. Um, we just had, I mean, we just had such a great group. And, and, what I really and – I, and I talk about this all the time, about talking about locker rooms and team camaraderie was we had such a great group that when somebody texts in the group text being like, hey, I'm going to go to, you know, Applebee's at 7 o'clock. If anybody wants to join me for dinner, like 10, 12 guys would show up. Like wow. everybody wanted to hang out. Yeah. You know, and, and, and we were either younger married people or – guys who didn't have girlfriends or, you know, or, you know, girlfriends, but not significant other yet, that kind of thing where it was, it was easy to get out of the house if you want to say that, you know? Um, so it was, it was great. And for me, you know, Nikki was living still in Columbus and she was coming to visit, you know? So for me, I could, yeah. If, if Chris Rolf texts me and said, Hey, I'm going to dinner. You want to go? Yeah, no problem. Right. You know, or, or Logan Paws or, or John Thorrington. Um, and so that just really built our camaraderie. Right. Uh, but we, we had such a yeah, – again, it started with Chris Armas, best captain I've ever played for, hands down. Um, and so it started from him every day in training and C.J. Brown and guys like that. Trainings, you know, and, and it sounds like a cliche, and I know, you know, um, you know, Roy Keane has said it before, but our trainings were harder than our games. Like – the guys on a Tuesday morning would be kicking the shit out of each other, right. you know, because it was, it was, it was bragging in the locker room, you know, or you, or Chris Warmus will walk back in and be like, Bushy, you weren't good today. You sucked. What do you think? And you're like, yeah, Cap, you're right. Like it was, but it was such a great environment, right. such a great environment to be in. Um, and we were, th those three years, 
we were so close, right? We were always so close. We lost on penalty kicks two or three times in conference finals. We lost on penalty kicks in the Superliga final. You know, uh, I can't remember what Mexican club we lost to, but we lost to them. Um, you know, but it was probably – that was the time I really started realizing what makes a good team. You know, not just good players, but what right. what really builds a locker room and brings everybody together. Yeah. So, you know, you, you move on from there and they ship you out <laughs> west of San Jose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, another shocker, another right. shocker. So, you know, how do you, how do you end up there? And obviously, you're out there for a few, have, you know, a phenomenal season in, um, you know, with uh, 2014. I mean, yeah, just incredible, right? Franchise record for saves, uh, 138, which is uh, also sets the league record. So, share, you know, that that 2010 to 2014, you know, and then yes. we're gonna drop the bomb on people. What happened? <laughs> that so yeah so um i was started preseason with chicago we had another new coach things were going great um de los cobos was his name uh, uh you know south america i think mexican um played i think eight out of 12 of the preseason games he used to call me uh juanito i didn't like it but that's what he called me and then he would say my my little warrior juanito little yeah little john juanito my little warrior yeah and then next thing i you know like the week before the first game he calls me in after training in back in, in Chicago and tells me he doesn't want me anymore. And he's going to actually play the third string goalie, start the third string goalie. I'm like, like, you're crazy. So again, I go through waivers this time, nothing happens. So we're just hanging out in Chicago. And I remember saying to Nikki, like, Hey, let's just go, let's just drive over to Columbus this weekend. It's the first weekend of the season. Nobody's picking me up right now. We got to wait a little while. Uh, my agent calls me at, you know, right before we leave in Chicago, right before leaving town. And he says, hey, John Doyle, who's the GM of San Jose at the time, John Doyle is going to call you in five minutes. He wants to talk to you. I'm like, for what? They got Joe Cannon. He's exactly. like, he's like, no, no, he, they want you. He just wants to make sure you understand you're coming in as a number two. I was like, yeah, sure. Tell him to call me. Yeah, no problem. I don't, you know, so he calls me and, you know, we have the conversation. Hey, just want you to understand. We want you, but, you know, Joe's our number one right now. You know, but if you come in, you win it, you win it. Okay. He's like, but there's a catch. <laughs> of course, there's always a catch. What's the catch? We don't have any, we don't have as much money for you. Now, if you think about it, you know, I took the pay cut when I went to Chicago. All right. And I did that on my own accord. I, I got back to where I should have been after two more years. Now they want me to take another very big, another $50,000 pay cut to knock me back down. Now you're living in San Jose, California. Exactly. Right? So I said to him, okay. I said, no problem. And the league actually helped them out. The league kicked some money in too as well. So I said, no problem. But I asked one thing. I said, when I win it and when I become the number one, you rip up this contract and you give me a new contract and put me back where I deserve to be. John said, okay. All right. Then I'll be there. So they they played that weekend. I said, "Do you want me to? Do you want me to fly out?" Like it was literally Friday night, and they were playing Saturday. He's, no, 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 no. Like we'll fly you in Sunday. He's like, "We're gonna keep this under wraps until Monday." Well, that didn't work. So we drive back to Columbus. Nikki and I know we didn't even tell our. I didn't even tell my parents. She didn't tell her parents nothing. Right? We are sitting there watching. The Chicago game, it's the ESPN game that Saturday afternoon. Not five minutes into the game, 
Harksy's calling the game. He says, yeah. And the word on the street is, because he's talking about the goalkeeping situation, the word on the street is, John Bush is now ending up in San Jose come tomorrow. <laughs> My phone just blows up. I'm like, how does anybody even know? Like, we haven't even told anybody. So it was kind of crazy. But I end up there. Um, and then, yeah, so San Jose played that night or whatever. Sunday's off. I fly in Sunday night. Monday morning, I'm picked up. I brought to this training facility. I walk. I get in there early. I'm sorting out my locker, doing everything you need to do. And Joe Cannon walks in. And I just happen to turn around to start walking to the training room to get my ankle taped. And Joe walks in. And it's like, how you doing, Joe? And you're just like, oh, boy, here we go. This is going to get interesting real quick. Uh, so it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um, you know, and Joe played for a while. And then. Long story short, Frank ended up making the change about halfway through the season. So yeah, well, let's go, let's go back and let me interrupt some people here because I think this is interesting. You play at in, in Chicago, you play for Frank, and then in San Jose, you play for Frank. Um, Other so, way around. So oh, San, oh, okay. San Jose first, Frank was oh, there. And okay. then when I went back to Chicago the last year, Frank was there. Frank Yallop was there again. So he brought me back. He wanted me to come back. That's so, right. And correct. San Jose, explain, you know, what a coaching carousel. You know, Yala, oh, yeah. Watson, Ian Russell, Dominic Kinnear. I mean, yeah. what's that like? Yeah, I went through, you know, obviously Frank and then Mark and then Ian. Um, and then when Dom came in, that was when, you know, John Doyle wanted to go with um, uh, David Bingham. So David played for John Doyle in his youth academy, uh, the Mustangs. And so that's why David was there. And long story short, my contract was up. And uh, I thought I was getting a new contract. Uh, it didn't happen. Next thing I know, Dom, you know, John hires Dom, and Dom tells me to, to you know, to hit the bricks, basically. Um, and then in Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, again, trying to figure out where am I going to land next? What, what's the next step? Um, you know, and, and by that time, Frankie Allop was back in Chicago. Um, so he calls me right away and says, hey, are you interested? You know, he said, it's different than when you first came here. I said, yeah, yeah, no, no problem. You know, he's like, I need your leadership. I need everything, you know, I, I need what you bring. And I said, okay. Um, yeah, so we got the deal done and went back. And it was, you know, it, it's interesting. I've never, and my wife and I always talk about this, I've never ever gone back anywhere. Like, I've never even been back to Charlotte. Like, I just kind of don't go back to things. And when I went back to Chicago, it was not recognizable. Right. It was not what it used to be. You know, I, I left there when it was in a good place. I went back and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I couldn't believe the lot, you know, the locker room. And they had good guys in there. You know, Jeff Laurentowitz was the captain when I got in there and, and him and I had plenty of talks, you know, and just but it was just in a in a very negative, very bad place. Um you know, so it was really hard. It was really hard to be – I mean, I was glad I was back because I, I did like my time there, but it was just tough to be back when you've been through such a good time with the club. Right. You know, and then from there, you know, things sort of dry up, as, as we say, yeah. and searching. And uh, explain that search, what it was like uh, I, for you. you know? Yeah, I had two kind of like possibilities. I think one was Philly and I can't remember who the other club was. And they were, they were lukewarm. You know, they were, there's one of those, yeah, we, we could use a good senior older pro. Cause by that time I'm I don't know, 
I don't know, 37, 38, somewhere in that ballpark, I think. Um, and then I get a call from uh, a kid, Brad Ring, who I played with in San Jose. You know, he was playing for the Indy 11 at the time. Um, and you know, we, we kept in touch. I really liked him. He's a good kid. And he just kind of threw it out at me. He said, what do you think about this? I said, hmm. Okay. Cause the assistant coach told him to call me. So I said, okay, have the assistant coach call me Tim, uh, Tim Regan at the time. So he calls me, he kind of gives me the lay of the land. I did a little research. I realized, you know, at that time when they were playing at IUPUI, they were averaging about 10 to 11,000 fans a game. It was awesome. Right. atmosphere. Yes, that's right. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Well, Tim Hankinson becomes the coach at the time. Um, then now he puts it in fast forward. He's like, yes, I want you. You're going to be a player coach, uh, you know, uh, that sort of thing. So I was the goalkeeper coach and the starting goalkeeper for the two years I was here. Um, so, you know, when we kind of lay the deal out, I, I'm thinking, okay, you know, I'm almost 40 now. You know, it is time to start transitioning. I do want to get into coaching. I also want to learn the business side of, of the sport. And so, you know, for me, like I said, I probably could have scrounged up another MLS year somewhere, but it just made sense at that time that, you know, in the direction I wanted to go, that this is where I wanted to go with it. Um, so I signed in Indy 11, you know, for a two-year contract. And uh, first year went very, very well. We, we won the spring season in the old NASL, and then we lost on penalty kicks in the fall season, I, I hit the Statue of Liberty with my penalty kick. So uh, we won't talk about that one. Um, and then this, the second year didn't go as well. Um, and, and Hankinson was not renewed. And uh, that was kind of it. Right, right. And then, you know, you, you, got to, you got to pick the MLS team you wanted to retire yeah. with. Go through that story and why. Um, you know, I, I wanted to play one more year. It just unfortunately didn't happen. But when you've played 21 years, you, you can't complain about not getting a 22nd. So it took me a little while to, to kind of come to grips with that. Um, but once I did, you know, I, I kind of looked around and, and I loved all three places I played for different reasons. Um, but every time I talk with Nikki about it, what it was, we always called Columbus our home because I think that was what we – we bought our first house there. We won our first championship there. Like that was when we be, went from young kids to young adults. And so I think Columbus is always known as home to us. And so it was only fitting, you know? And, and so, you know, probably second would have been San Jose because I played the most amount of games there. Um, you know, but I remember picking up the phone and calling um, Burr Halter and, uh, well, I picked Pat Onsen's brain about it first, you know, and he's like, yeah, no, Greg would be cool with that. And so, yeah. um, so then I reached out to Greg and we talked about it. And I said, look, I said, I'm not asking for anything special. I said, I just, I, you know, I love Columbus. I want to end my career, sign a one day contract, retire. I said, and I, and I was brutally honest with him. I said, honestly, I said, I also need this for my mental side. Yeah, I said, right. I, right what I lost here within the 11, when Martin came in, I said, I need this to kind of close the chapter. Yeah. And he was great about it. He was absolutely fantastic with me. Yeah. Um, That's great to hear. You know, yeah. so that gave me some closure and he, and he gets it, you know, that was the thing. He was, he's a player's coach. He understands what it means. And so, you know, that gave me some sort of peace of mind and, and allowed me to kind of close that chapter and start moving forward. Yeah. Well, you know, and let's get back to what, you know, EV started this whole conversation, MLS. What, what are your thoughts with this tournament? Uh, you know, I guess it's, it's exciting, right? From a player yeah. standpoint, draw tomorrow. Um, 
you know, but let, let's stop there but, and let's hit rewind. How do you feel about this, these concessions they made? You know, and again, I don't – obviously, I'm not in there anymore. I don't know everything. Um, I know from talking to a few players that after the February, you know, the, the winter um, CBA that they got done, they felt very good on that, you know, and, it, and it's a gradual progression, right? All of us know that you can't go from A to Z in the alphabet. You gradually, and it's been building the last couple meetings um, or, or, you know, CBA agreements. And so I think the players, from what I've heard, they felt very good about what they got in the February deal. And now, unfortunately, I feel like from what I'm hearing is they've gone backwards a little bit, you know. Um, they were a little bit handcuffed with it. Now – you know, I, again, I don't know the business side of it. I don't, you know, I don't work for MLS. I don't know. I'm not in the player side of it anymore. But, you know, it's I, I feel for them because they they have made good strides, you know, and now it seems like there is a lot of tension between the huh. MLS office and That's the players. mildly, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and We don't want to put you on the spot, but, I mean, geez. No. I mean, the, play, the players feel like they were strong-armed. Yep. I, I was going to ask you, Bushy, the word lockout from a player perspective, that's a pretty damn strong word. That's, that's a strong it, word. Well, it's a really strong word. It's a big business now, Yeah. You're not – yeah. I have a gun to your head saying you got two days to do this. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that type of bullying, as, as uh, you know, JB just mentioned, Bushy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, it's strong arm, but again, I, you know, not being in those meetings or not being a part of it, you know, who knows, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but all I know is, you know, they both sides made very, uh, very good steps forward in a relationship in February. And now I think it's, it's gone backwards. You know, so it it will be interesting when the next CBA agreement is done, how that goes. Because now I think, now I think the players' union has realized, like, hey, okay, these guys sometimes will, you know, twist your arm, and so I I think it, I think it almost, you know, sometimes you have to you have to learn lessons the hard way in life, right? And sometimes now maybe like, maybe maybe next time they don't budge. The players. Well, that's what we were. That's what EV and I were talking about. Is you know they're going to lose this. Are they going to get it back? No, no. This will and, not, and, it will not come back. No. It, it, all this, it's kind of like the whole college soccer argument. This this virus just kind of accelerated the inevitable. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it, gave it, it gave them it gave them cover. It gave them cover. Just like just like just like NCAA, it gave exactly. everybody cover to say, you know what? Let's cut men's soccer. Let's cut tennis. Yeah. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, the owners can say, well, it was the COVID thing. It's, we yeah. really like you, but it was the COVID thing. It's like, no, no, you, you know. It's the wolf in wolf's clothing. You know, it's just going to happen and they're just going to yeah. do it. And I, yeah, you know, yeah. honestly, and we're all players here, guys, but the players didn't have anything to play poker with. No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, they want to, they want to be back on the field. That's, you know, yeah. they want to get back out there and, and, you know, it's it's going to be interesting this tournament because I was actually just talking to a guy who who I play with who's now an MLS coach of like, okay, is this you know so so what's the plan after this tournament, right? Like, because you haven't heard anything after the tournament. No, that's you know, and and the hope is 
that this, you know, let's call it a kickoff tournament, right? That when we get through this tournament, they are now allowed to go back to their separate markets and continue some sort of season. Yeah, but with no, but with right. no baseball going on anytime yeah. Soon, this seems yeah. like a golden opportunity for this league as a marketing-driven league. We've talked about this product yeah. versus marketing thing to really get a captive audience. Mm-hmm. That are, my dad's watching ping pong right now live in Russia because he can't stand the fact that he can't yeah. watch Tiger Woods or Liverpool. You know, yeah. who hasn't won the league yet for the first time. Let, let, let me oh, get this. Yeah, the point is, people, it's a good opportunity for MLS. Yeah, yeah. as long as it's a safe environment, Boa. That's the biggest thing. As long as it's a safe environment. And that has always been the position of the three old goalies. Yep. But you got you also have to understand that in the MLS, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Greg. But in the MLS, it's not, you know, they don't have TV money like EPL does, like Bundesliga does, like, you know, La Liga does. Like a lot of their money comes from the gate and the merchandise sold on game days. Right, exactly. Um, what I was going to ask you, and I don't know if you three know this, how about the starting um, time on these uh, on these weekend games, nine a.m. How about that? I mean, does that bring well, you to the youth, you know, environment? Youth time, baby. Yeah. Well, it's also it's it's also June and July in Orlando. That's yeah, that's the yeah. thing. They have to play because you're well, playing in the desert. Well, Mrs. Yeah. Garber's bringing the orange slices, so we're good. <laughs> so we're, so, so we're fine. We're fine, dude. And when yeah. you're not playing, you have to line the next game. <laughs> yes, yes, you're lining the fields. You're lining the fields. You have to line the game, and then the goal, backup goalkeeper has to referee. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. It's, we've really come a long way. Yeah. Well, I love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's great for, you know, TV viewers because we're used to watching, you know, games at that time anyway. But players, I mean, how, how do you think? You know, we go 9, then we go all the way to 8.30 p.m. and 10.30 yeah. p.m. You know, but I, I would. I think I'd be okay with the nine a.m. I don't know about the the ten. I'd be asleep by then. So it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting. Uh, I mean, I understand why they're doing it. Um, so walk us through one of you or both of you. Walk us through what we're talking about. We know about the NHL thing. So tell me what the MLS is gonna do with the Orlando thing, guys. you go ahead. You 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 got a good hand on it. So they're they're seated. They're six seated teams. Three from the east. Three from the west. I believe. Orlando City as a host got a you know free buy, yeah. um, and then the next you know it's just just like World Cup. Yeah, it's World you know, Cup. It's groups. Little ping pong table, right? Or a little yeah. ping pong, and that'll be Group A, and then you know they go all the way through, and then they start doing the uh, the rest of the unseated teams. So you know it's funny. I was reading Tab Ramos thinks he's got a little advantage because he coached the U twenty team in in you know the World Cup. So he's I, I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if he was joking, but I'm like seriously. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's I, you, you know, you've read all these articles over the weeks, right? Like, oh, we're going to use this time to get an advantage. I don't know if anybody has an advantage, right? You, you Everybody's doing home workouts. Now they're into small groups and all that. So, like, everybody's at the same point. Exactly. Well, a great way to motivate you know? players is to cut their salaries. Yeah, yeah. doesn't that work? Yeah, it's <laughs> salesman, it works for players. Hey, Bushy, Bushy, I want to know this. Okay, you know, the grand prize of this is, is you know, doing uh, the concaf stuff. Um, isn't that appealing to a player? Like, okay, you know, we lose the first two games. Who cares for the third game? You know, what's the mentality of this? Well, it's gonna, again, it's going to be interesting to, to see how these players come out, right? Because, Absolutely. you know, some of them don't want to be 
away from their families for that long, you know, and, and some of them have voiced their opinions, you know, I mean, real life, right? Some of them have wives that are, that are pregnant. You know, I've, I've read two or three guys on social media saying like, my wife's pregnant, you know, and now I got to go to Orlando for a month. And I'm going to soccer camp. Yeah, basically, you know, so, um, you you know, what, like you said, what if you lose the first two games? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Hey guys, let's chuck it in so we can go home early. Kind of, you know, like you hate to say that, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, see how it goes. Um, again, you know, I think the bigger concern is where they go after this tournament, you know, hopefully by then they can get back to some sort of, normalcy of some sort of schedule yeah right right and finish finish the 2020 season out in some capacity so by 2021 when you're adding two more mls teams in we can we can do everything back to normal hopefully because that's the for me that's the bigger concern if we don't get back to some sort of normalcy by the end of this season i don't i don't know where it goes next year right I'll put you on the spot here with a question. Do you feel MLS should have a requirement for Americans, you know, on the roster? It, it, in the amount or the amount of Americans? Yes. Is that what you're saying? But, I think you know, so. Yeah, I think so. Because again, you know, it, it, if we're all working together in, in the United States of America, yeah, we want our foreign guys because they add flair and the South Americans, we want that. But if we want to help our U.S. national team, we have to develop our American players. You know, again, whether it's in the, whether it's in the U.S. What's that? They got to play games. They got to play games. They got to play games. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I mean, again, I've been saying this to the, the young goalkeepers I've played with for years who were, you know, twos and threes and fours behind me. You know, and it's the same thing EB told me, you know, 100 years ago. You got to play games. And it, it's, it's the same thing today, you know, to develop these kids. You know, I, I remember sitting with, you know, Jason Christ in the first under 23 camp that I worked with him and we're going through the roster. And a lot of these kids that we're looking at, we're not playing consistent not minutes for their clubs, you know, and a majority of them came from the MLS. So some of them came from Europe, but we're like, okay, so, you know, maybe they're playing reserve games. Some of them weren't even playing that much in either the reserve team in Europe or in the USL in, in the States. So you're like, you know, how do we develop these kids? Because some of these kids are on our Olympic team that we're hoping can qualify for the Olympics. Right. You know, they they got to go hand in hand. We got to work together. Well, the, prob- hey. the problem is U.S. soccer is so f- friggin' stupid sometimes. And Boa, you said this last week, you know, we don't have a pyramid in this country, right? Right now, the most important league for the development of U.S. players is not MLS. Absolutely not. It's, it's USL. Yes. Because that's where you can get numbers of guys, as we said, playing games. And of those guys playing games, you know, some will emerge as MLS level and they'll be taken up. But U.S. soccer, because they're in bed with MLS and are treating that as the only league there is, you know, on the one hand, they've got to make money, so they're so we're training CONCACAF's teams. On the other hand, you know, on the other hand, oh, yeah, we're supposed to develop our own national team. Well, we're not doing that. 
right? But yeah. but let's let's be stupid enough not to embrace the USL because we perceive that as competition to the MLS. It's like guys, you know, they're not competition. They're your foundation. Yeah. You know? they need to they all need to work together. Yeah. And, and Bushy said it on this call, you know, EB told me to go and learn how to be a pro. And I love the story about I got a job where I could lift weights for free and eat all the sausage and egg and cheese biscuits that I could possibly do. It was fruit. It was fruit so loops. It was fruit loops. Exactly but yeah. I did Mazer and I did Miami in 1992. Yeah. yeah. The same that you yeah. had. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. But you got to learn how to do, do what you got to do. Yeah. And you ain't going to learn that sitting on the bench in fucking no. Los Angeles. No, no, you ain't gonna see any shots either. No, so exactly, exactly. You got to be willing to ride the bus all night. Yeah, yeah. You got to you got to be willing to spend your twenty first birthday somewhere in Canada in the middle of the night, and they buy you a a six pack of beer, and you drink two of them on the bus in the middle of nowhere because that's exactly what happened. (laughs) But here's the thing. But here's the thing. It's that way in every sport. Yeah, it's not just soccer. No, right. You know, it's that way in every sport. And for some reason, yeah. we just refuse to accept that, that premise that, oh, yeah, you got to pay your dues. Yep. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I mean, EB and I are used to that because that's how it is in hockey, right? It doesn't matter who you are. You know, and again, you don't, you don't have to look. You, you talked about baseball earlier, uh, Boa. You know, look, look at the Yankees back in the day. Obviously, me growing up in New York, I'm a, I'm a used Yankee guy. Derek Jeter, Posada, you know, Sandman, they all came up together in the minor leagues. Derek Jeter, the best captain the Yankees ever had. The only like, thing they have, you know, but what they have that we don't is that the kid from Tupelo, Mississippi, that can throw a 95 mile an hour fastball, gets the signing bonus, then he goes to single A. So it's correct. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they don't get, yeah, they don't get the signing yeah. bonus. So Tim Tebow wins the Heisman Trophy. The Heisman Trophy. Well, that's because the Heisman Trophy and goes to single A. Yeah. Correct. And that's yeah. because but but that's because these other sports have accepted the fact that you have to have the pyramid that you were talking about last week. Yes. Yeah. If you don't have the pyramid, you know, it's like it's the wiffle ball, you know. Yeah. yeah. And it's and what did what did you know, Bushy, we, you know, Bone brought this up. He said MLS, I don't know where you got this number from, Greg, but like MLS wants a college kid to play what do you say, 70 games? 80. 80, 80. games. In four, I mean, if you're if you're a shit player from Wigan, you're playing sixty games from August to May. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna put you on the field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it's with the reserves or the under twenty ones or whatever's, yeah. and if you're not cutting it, then you're gone. Yeah, yeah. They want yeah. you playing games. Yeah, you gotta we play don't games that way. No, no, we don't. No, yeah. we don't. You gotta play games. That's how you get your experience. But Bushy, before we go, I would like to get your last thoughts. You know. You're an assistant coach at Uwe Pooey, and people don't know that, Indiana U, you know. Uwe Pooey. And you're working with Coach Barrett. Um, yeah. What, what do, do you feel nervous about what happened with Appalachian State and, um, you know, University of Cincinnati and, and some others? Because you guys are a mid-major with no football, your basketball, I mean, let's call an ace and ace. That's not, yeah. you know, you get, you know, what, 1,200 people to a game, if, if that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just wondering, you know, is first, are you, are you nervous that it could get cut? Are there any rumblings because, you know, of the situation that's, you know, right now going on? I'm not nervous about it yet. I 
I haven't talked to Brian too, too much about it. Um, I talk to him every, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, he's a fantastic young coach who I yeah, really enjoy love. working with him. Yeah. yeah um, he's got, he's got a little bite to him and I like that. Um, you know, last time I talked to him about two weeks ago, you know, he was saying that, you know, the season might be shortened, but he felt very comfortable that, you know, we were going to have some sort of season um, as well as virus or shortened because of budgets. No, I think shortened because of virus slash budgets, you know, let's, let's combine them two. Um, you know, and the women's coach, cause I also work for the women. Yeah, he's Chris. called me as well. Yeah, Chris. And he's kind of said the same thing that, I don't think they actually know what it's going to look like. I think they're going through a, a few different scenarios, just depending on what the NCAA looks like. Um, I, again, I'm not nervous about it yet because I feel like we're going to have some sort of season for both the men and women. Um, I just don't know what it's going to look like yet. So, and, and you touched on this earlier, Bushy, when you kind of said, well, think about, and we said this a few weeks ago about who is untouchable in college soccer. Well, there's that many, whether UCLA, Duke, Virginia, SMU. Like, there's that group, right? Indiana. Yep. yep. Right. Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland, the big yeah, ones. Yeah, thought, yeah. You know, Bone, Bone thought maybe there were 30. I thought maybe there was like 18. But <laughs> you get my point. But the Wisconsin Milwaukee's, the Detroit Mercies, the IUPUIs, yeah. the uh, Bowling Greens, the, you know, uh, Campbell University, Furman. Yeah. Right? yeah. I just, you know, I. <laughs> And the EB's thing is, you know, look, guys, it's like half a million dollars, and the ADs are lazy. Well, they are, but that's they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they they got five. They have five assistant coaches for basketball in the Mid Atlantic Conference Church League, for God's sake. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a it's going to be an interest. I mean, you know, and I was reading an article the other day that you know everybody's talking about COVID you know, impacting pro sports, COVID impacting collegiate sports. Dude, COVID is going to impact youth sports like you read about because, yeah. you know, I mean, here in Tennessee, our, you know, our numbers are going back up right now. So yeah. at some point, you know, some governor is going to say, hey, cut it out. Stop. We're not going to, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're not going to do this. And, you know, it's going to impact youth sports like you read about, you know. Yeah. And, and again. You know, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, but, you know, I don't know. So. Well, I think uh, anything recreational, you know, we, we live in Colorado, so we spend a lot, a tremendous amount of time at all these wonderful parks and places and everywhere you go, all the bathrooms are locked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, when you're out there with a bunch of guys and there's a group over there throwing a Frisbee and a hacky sack and doing a, doing a bong hit. Well, you know, we're just trying to get out there and get some sun and see whatever but you get that around. You, you're not going to be having the freaking Capitol Club in D.C. in Washington at Thanksgiving with 18,000 kids. Correct. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But, but they just opened Kings Island. I know. Did they really? They really did. Or about to. Anyway, uh, Bushy, thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Some fantastic All right. Well, we've, we've beaten this horse till it's no longer recognizable. So, Bose. <laughs> I know, I know you've been chomping at the bit for this, because I know, I know you wanted to give us your five-minute twirl around Europe. Well, it's obviously always the, the, the EV goalkeeper family, which Bone, you're part of, of course, as well, is so wonderful and rich. 
so humble and I love JB. You got the best initials of any goalkeeper. The EVS. <laughs> wonderful. You have a hey, wonderful Boa, life. You'll yes. never walk alone, Bo. And and a lot of people do not know this. A lot of people do not know this. You smart ass motherfucker. Because, uh, you're humble, but you actually spent a little time at Liverpool. And the reason I bring that up is obviously because, you know, I'm sitting in a Manchester United fans basement with a Donald Trump flag on the wall. So I feel right at home. Um, but I bring that up because Jurgen Summer made a great point, Bushy. He said, you know, when I was in England, I was treated first class. I got back to America. There was roses for my wife. I was there first class, you know, first class. Tell us a little bit about, before I get going, about your time on Merseyside. Well, first of all, Jurgen was a fantastic goalkeeper. And Evie and I were talking about him the other day. He's probably one of the, you know, few national team goalkeepers that was kind of forgotten. You know, yeah. and Jurgen actually lives, you know, only a few minutes from me, and I see him every now and again. But um, unbelievable goalkeeper, unbelievable national team goalkeeper, and and probably I think if I remember, because the first to actually go to over to oh. Europe. Yeah, yeah we can't wait for you to hear the interview. Yeah. Bone did a great yeah. job. Yeah, that that interview with him was fantastic. But yeah. you know, you. he doesn't. You know, he's he's so down to earth. Like I said, he, he runs a club over here, so I see him all the time. Great guy. Um, but yeah, no, I was very fortunate after my, I think it was my freshman year um I can't remember I think it was freshman year I went to Peter Miller set it up for me to go to Liverpool for I think four weeks to train and so David James was the goalkeeper at the time Lamity uh, James yeah Tony Waiters I think it was was the backup oh. Joe wow. Kerrigan was the goalie coach and oh. uh it was unbelievable uh Sammy Lee was the assistant manager at the time yeah. and and Peter knew him somehow so he would pick us up every morning at the at the hotel and then um you know, I was there with another, actually another American goalkeeper um, who was with the 17s with me, Andy Kirk at the time. So we went over together, spent four weeks there, had an absolute blast. You know, uh, Steve McManigan, uh, Steve McManigan, uh, who, Jamie Redknapp, like all those guys were there at the time. Uh, Phil Bob, unbelievable group. And so. Robbie Fowler. Yep, Robbie Fowler was there. Like that was when they, it was just unbelievable environment to be in. Um, so. Amazing, amazing four weeks. Uh, at the end of it, uh, Roy Evans was the manager, called us in, said, you know, we did really well. Uh, had Sammy take us to the equipment room and gave us two trash bags full of whatever we wanted. Oh, it, was like, wow. it was like Santa Claus walking home with a big bag <laughs> over our shoulder. It was unbelievable. Well, having, <laughs> having worked for Reebok at that very time, Bushy, that's where most of our replica stuff ended up was in fucking trash bags. <laughs> Well, I got all their Adidas stuff. I had the I had the goalkeeper jerseys from Grubbelar. I had a uh, a John Barnes field jersey, like shirts, everything. It was awesome. And Roy Evans coached under Paisley and Shane. Yep. Yep. Right. Roy Sunis. Oh, well, great. That thanks for sharing that, John. Sorry about the Manchester United fuckheads out there. Okay. The global football twirl around the football world. We have no sponsor this week. Um, we were going to, but the Corona people were really been out of shape about my virus joke last week. So uh, then our lawyers from the three old goalies reminded them that nobody goes to see Mexican games live anyway, so nobody gives a shit. We got more lawyers than listeners, but that's okay. Oh, yeah. we got Marcia hey, hey, now, come on. We, I don't know, JB. I don't know if you heard how many listeners we've grown like in the last 24 hours. We double every week, bro. There you go. Hey, Dude, numbers are going up. Th three old goalies are the COVID of, of podcasts. 
We're at the COVID cast. <laughs> oh, God. It was cup final week in Germany this week. Leverkusen won yesterday. They're also fighting for that hugely lucrative fourth spot in the Champions League for next fall. We'll talk about that in a minute. And they won their first semifinal yesterday. And then today I'll give you 18 guesses and your first 17 are wrong. Who won the other semifinal? Does anybody want to guess? It's a tough one. It's a tough it one. Begins with Bayern, ends with Munich. <laughs> <laughs> they won. So, and I think they're doing one-off semis. I don't think they're doing the two-leg thing in Germany. And I don't know what's going on at the FA Cup in England. I, think I have not be, heard. Yeah, I think it might be Kukunk. So, the Portuguese La Liga started again. They had three games today. Um, but remember, in Portugal, they only get one spot. So it is very, very important. But, you know, that league, it's been Fica and Porto every, every year. Sometimes Boa Vista uh, yes. speaks in there. But uh, I don't know if a lot of you guys know this. Does anybody speak Portuguese? <laughs> JP does. JP Joe. Roland and Joe Carrera. Okay. Yeah. Then they would know when we have the Warren Wilson Mafia on here, we'll be able to tell you that Benfica and Porto actually in English mean Celtic and Rangers. <laughs> That's right. Oh, Joe, man. Have, now you've got the Portuguese and the Scottish pissed off at us. Good that job. league is more top-heavy than the Elephant Man. <laughs> okay, Hank. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Anybody with elephantitis, please don't call the show pissed off. Oh. All right, we're going on to Italy, oh. where they also have cups this week. The Coppa Italia semifinals are Friday and Saturday. Juve will host Milan, which a lot of people still call. They're like, which Milan? If you're Unless you're a fuck nugget, you know that Milan means AC Milan, and enter is Inter Milan. So don't call this show with stupid questions. And then Napoli will host Inter. So we might we have a slight chance at an all-Milan final. But then again, it's, you know, the Coppa Italia, so who really cares? Juve and Lazio are fighting out for that top spot for the Scudetto. And you really got three teams that are fighting it out for those last two Champions League places. Uh, Inter, Roma, and the Atlanta Braves. No, Atalanta. That's different. Atalanta, okay. okay. I don't know much about soccer. I'm from Mississippi. Spain restarts the league this Friday, okay? So everybody in Portland and Herzo, Germany are jumping up and down screaming, thank fucking God we can sell some soccer shoes. So Predators and Mercurials are just going to be flying off the shelves. That's really a joke that Greg Deutsch will appreciate. So the <laughs> I do. He's not I laughing. There. No. No, not. Again, does anybody speak Spanish? Does anybody speak Spanish? Si, senor. What does... Madrid and Barcelona meet in English. Celtic, Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, so again. All right. Yes. We're getting better. Those two guys are at the top as usual. Um, but there's five clubs fighting for those final two spots because, again, they get one of the big uh, – Spain gets four places uh, for next year. So uh, that's really, for Europe, uh, the big, big, uh, the big, big thing is those that Spanish, those last two, because right now they're all tearing it up, and we'll get to the Champions League in a minute. Now, England will play all their games in hand on the 17th, which is next Wednesday, so every Irish pub owner from here to fucking Shannon, Ireland, is jumping up and down screaming, thank whatever, God. Um, so then everybody will be on sync after that. Um, so what's going to happen is Arsenal will go to Manchester City and win. 
and then Liverpool will lift the trophy at Everton on Monday the 21st. All right. Uh, Never going to fucking happen. We, we might have to do a special show that night. That's well, not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I, I will not be able to speak that yeah. night if that happens. <laughs> so, but I have to throw it in for my toffee-eating buddies in blue that that could happen. That would just be a fucking the biggest piss take ever. So let's yeah. touch on the Champions League a little bit. Bushy, I don't know if you've heard about this, but they're going to the rumor is, and they have not confirmed on UEFA at all, but my little birdie is telling me they're going to play a one-off quarterfinal and a one-off semifinal in the final. Because there's no fans, there's no home field advantage. This is not a joke. Not much like much of my humor, it's not really that funny. I believe you, Boa. You yeah, know this. I believe you. Thank you. Thank you, John. I've actually, I've actually, I actually read that someplace, that it's just going to be one game. Bang, yeah. Bang, bang. Yeah. I've read that too. They might do it in neutral cities, but I think of the last, what is it? We're down to eight. I think that seven of them are German and Spanish. So uh, the English took it in the brown uh, the last round. Liverpool got upset. Spurs is out. So, uh, you know, don't drop the soap in the Champions League or you will be out. All UPS. Uh, it, uh, A little boy. closer to home. Again, we already covered the cease and desist we got from the Modelo and uh, Corona people. <laughs> so we won't, we won't touch on that again. Uh, but MLS, I want to touch a little bit more on the MLS, Bushy. I mean, yes. anybody, tell me who's played the most games at goalkeeper in MLS. Do you know? Nick Ramondo. Nick Ramondo. Second, Kevin Hartman. Okay. And is Nick still playing? No, Nick retired, no, retired at the end of last yeah. year. Yeah. He's done. Okay. All right, well, it's, you're up there. So I but still, 500 appearances, Bushy. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty amazing. And yeah. it's really wonderful yeah. in all, in all seriousness. Yeah. Kevin Hartman is one of the guys that came uh, to Charlotte and trained with us mm -hmm. when, you were, when you were a youngster. Yeah. 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 I yeah. thought one of those guys, like, um, you know, we had that crazy group. Like, I was already done playing, but um, we had, like, a lot of MLS guys there. Maybe one of the net performance summers, EV. Bushy was still in school. Oh well, yeah, we had we had Dodd, we had Dodd and those guys. Dodd, yeah. In, yeah. So again, you know, the players until our players get better, they don't have any leverage, and they're going to have to, you know, bend over whenever the owners tell them to. In my opinion, so, and we're not going to get better unless we play games. So you know, in Italy, play games in the Serie B, you can't play unless you're Italian. Huh? That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. I don't, again, uh, that might be a good idea for the USL to do, but I don't know. So, yeah. what is uh? No, I got a I got an Alzheimer's moment here because I forgot what I was going to say, but you know, it reminds me the a guy goes to the doctor and he, the doctor says I got bad news and I got horrible news. He goes, oh shit. He goes, well the bad news is you have cancer, and the other really bad news is you have Alzheimer's. And the guy goes, thank God, I thought you were going to tell me I had cancer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got a whole. I've got a whole bunch of jokes. Hey, hey, let's not get Bo going because Bone is a stand-up comedian. So what were uh, you Did you catch your thought? No, it was it was I can't remember what I was talking about, but uh, no, it'll come to me after we hang up. So of course. Yeah. Well, Bushy, it's a real privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much, my friend. We hope to see you guys soon. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. So anytime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and I appreciate everybody, uh, everybody joining us. And um, Bushy, obviously, you know, we love having you on. And uh, I don't know if you can see the picture of, of 
the, yep, the boys the boys at the pond oh yeah uh, that's a that's a story for another episode that's, that's for sure exactly uh, so but uh i appreciate everybody uh joining us and i appreciate uh bows bone bushy everybody chipping in tonight so until next time final thoughts bone bushy stories again i mean we, we you know the people we have on this show are just amazing with the stories um and, and this one's even special because you know the journey that bushy took you know you talk about paying your dues ev and this is you know a, a fantastic version of someone paying their dues and then making it um and I'm, I'm so excited that uh, Bushy was able to, you know, share some of the stories and boy, were they funny. Yeah. Yeah. They were great. Thanks okay. guys. Bose final thoughts. No. Um, yeah. I think, you know, one of the common threads we've had with our guests, whether it's Pat Johnson who could, you know, fly over the empire state building or you know, John Bush, he played 500 times in MLS and was capped for his country. It must've been special for him because John, also is quite a patriot he supports the navy seals he runs his own goalkeeper company really cares about this country and, and, and especially in mexico city uh man what a, what a crazy ass place to to be but um yeah thanks john and thanks bone that's it all right bushy any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up no nah, that was great boys i enjoyed it had a blast Thanks for letting me tell some stories and bullshit. It was our pleasure. We'll, we'll, our uh, pleasure. Hey, Bushy, what would you think real quick of the other ones that you've listened to? What do, what do you like about it? I just like that it's it's off the cuff, right? Like, I just like that whatever comes to mind is great. You know, I don't like the I don't like the the calls that are rehearsed or like, hey, you send me the questions kind of thing. Like, things just come up. Yeah. You know, things come to people's mind that you're like, oh, crap, remember that? Or, hey, I don't remember that, but thanks for reminding me. I, re I remember it this way. That, that's what I think is cool, you know? Yeah. 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 Little, little nugget here for you guys. We were talking about the Portuguese guys uh, who played at Warren Wilson Bone and, you know, Roland JP and Joe Carrera. But little, little known fact was that Ricky Wright's mom is Portuguese. So – so during games, those guys are talking trash to each other in Portuguese. The rest of us didn't know what the fuck was going on, right? <laughs> you know, but they're like, and Ricky, Ricky reminded me of that. You know, he was like, it's like, yeah, those guys were giving me so much shit during the game. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah. He says, my mom's Portuguese, and they, they knew it, you know. I was like, oh, so it, it, and that reminds me, we got to do the, we got to do the small, Robbie Church and I were talking about this today. We got to do the small college uh uh, podcast you know oh yeah all the good players that came out of those those small colleges were i mean yeah dude that's a list you know yeah hey bushy by the way our, our we're gonna have robbie church on here all right on sunday maybe you can call in i would yeah. love it's not gonna be on sunday because it's it's churchy's birthday and he backed out boa boa send me his send me the number to call in i will do it because i will tell a story that will just get churchy just going I, I have just, so many just, that I can't even begin to just tell. ask him why I spent so much time in the women's oh. locker room. <laughs> okay. That's all you need to ask him. That's all is, you need is, to ask him. This is true. This is, this is true. Evie knows about that. This it's a true story. story. Yeah. Yeah. So. This one might, this one might supersede Hank. <laughs> hey, Bushy, tell, uh, tell Nikki and, uh, to you, Michelle says hello also. And Michigan, yeah. 
Tell her I said, hey. Okay. All right, right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Good night, Captain, and thank you. Good night, guys. Have a good one. Yeah. See ya.